Tupo driving hard at the line. Tupo has he done it? No, it's play on. They go wide. They go wide. They get the try. It's O'Connor for Queensland. Welcome to episode 39 of the Rugby Fixation. This week, I'm going to be discussing two major uh, talking points. The big one, obviously, is the Wallabies squad. Um, they've made a few changes to the side uh, that's going to be taking on New Zealand and South Africa and Argentina in the Rugby Championship. Um, a few things to get through first with you know going to New Zealand and trying to get that uh, Bledisloe Cup underway. Um, still trying to work out which cities that's going to feature in, but that's all looking quite promising to go ahead. I think the other, you know, Big talking point, obviously, is the players selected in the squad. Um, I put something out on Twitter uh, saying that I was going to be doing this recording. It was great to get so many uh, people involved in talking about, you know, different things happening in the squad. It does seem to be a nice buzz around Australian rugby at the moment. And I think it does help having won that French series. I'm very keen to see how these players stack up and how we might look going into the New Zealand competition. Um, of course, there was also the British Irish Lions game against the Springboks over the weekend, and that was a great one as well. I stayed up for that and... I wouldn't say it was entirely uh, worth staying up for. I could have got up the next morning and watched it, but it was still a great game. Um, plenty of big hits, plenty of, you know, Russ getting uh, shaken off, I think, as both sides sort of, for the Lions built cohesion and tried to get some combinations going and for the Springboks to rediscover that form that got them to that uh, World Cup final and obviously winning it. So we'll quickly have a look through that. Uh, luckily, they've actually gone through and um, got the teams out nice and early, which is great. Uh, so over the weekend, the Lions did win 22 to 17. Uh, it was one try apiece. Um, Dan Bigger for the Lions ended up knocking over one extra uh, penalty goal and uh, Andre Pollard for the Fox missed one of his conversions. But otherwise, it was a pretty close match. Um, the big talking point was that, I guess, South Africa were up 12-3 at halftime and looked quite dominant, but without really doing too much with the ball. Um, they're a team that really built a lot of pressure off just being able to get penalties from other teams and capitalising on their mistakes. And we even saw with the try they scored and with some of the tries that were disallowed, uh, the, the big moments actually came kind of off errors, um, either on their side or the line side, and neither team really knowing how to react. So I do think it shows that the Springboks are quite a smart team and they know how to counter, they know how to react really well to things going on. But they didn't create enough opportunities for themselves, I don't think. Um, whereas the Lions creating a lot more opportunities with the you know continual aerial assault, they were doing a lot of kicks and trying to target some of the smaller players like Quagga Smith and Cheslin Colby, but they too didn't quite have the, the necessary, I guess, finishing skills to get those things done um, really well, I guess, encapsulated by the two missed penalties at the end of the first half, as well as the Robbie Henshaw break and then just sort of fumble in contact. So a few things I think both teams can really improve for um, coming into the next match. But I've, I've been really confident from the start that South Africa would win that third test. I think they'll build in really nicely to this. So the fact that the Lions have won this first test is by no means doom and gloom for the box. But I do think, obviously, it does create that extra bit of pressure. And I think this is a kind of team that responds really well to pressure, especially, uh, I guess, from media outsiders saying that they don't have a chance. It's that kind of pressure and that kind of mentality that I think really gets um, this sort of Springbok side going. So, you know, we can cast aside all the aspersions about the whole Rassi Erasmus's uh, Yako Johan, but... At the end, I think he's doing a really good job to take the pressure off his players and get you know, a really good mindset going for these guys um, as they prepare to face a pretty similar team. Um, the Lions have made a few changes. Maka Vinopola comes in at loose head prop, uh, moving Rory Sutherland to the bench. 
Connor Murray comes in starting at halfback with um, Ali Price moving to the bench. And um, we've also got Chris Harris uh, coming into outside centre. So Elliot Daly goes to the bench in that case. So a few players miss out on their spots. Um, Talupe Falatau has come in for Hamish Watson. Uh, Liam Williams lost his spot for Daly because he was on the bench pro, uh, previously. And there was another change. Should jump out at some point. Um, no, it's not second out at the moment, but a pretty settled side. I'm glad to see it wasn't too many changes, nothing too drastic uh, going on there. So I'm, I'm keen to see how they go. The Springboks probably made um, more changes just in terms of uh, tactics. Uh, the big thing is they've got their best scrummaging front row on now to start. So um, Kitchoff and Mal Herber have come in to start at Lucid and uh, Tighthead respectively. The other big change in the forwards, um, Cocker Smith reverts to the bench. And we've got Jasper Vise coming in uh, at number eight. Quite an exciting player. Someone that, you know, probably six months ago, not many people would have known outside of South Africa. So I think there'll be a lot of eyes on him to see how he acclimates to, you know, test match rugby starting against, you know, was arguably the hardest uh, test match he can start against. But it is nice to see Cocker Smith retained on the bench, especially with Marco Van Staden in and there as well. So, They've gone for the 6-2 split, something that I think was talked about a fair bit um, before the series started. I think this tactic works really well for them, especially with two losers like that, who realistically are both more in that open side mould um, or, or that seven role for Australians, where they're really good over the ball, good hits, um, plenty of speed. Quagga Smith probably wasn't utilised to his best position last time. I think this is going to be a really um, different performance from him. So I'm excited by that. Uh, their back line remains the same um, as it should. That is the best back line, I think. The only change, I guess, for the reserves when we get there, uh, Trevor Inyakani, he's swapped from Tighthead. He was starting last week. He's now the loosehead reserve, which is a big change um, and probably shows a bit of the issue at depth with Ox and Shea injured. Uh, Vincent Cock comes in at Tighthead um, on the bench. Great player. Uh, they've got so much depth at Tighthead. It's ridiculous because this is even without uh, Wilco Lowe getting a crack so plenty of players that they could choose from uh, and then obviously because they've gone the 6-2 split uh, Elton Yanchis has dropped out of the team which again I think because he was primarily just covering the 10 uh, position and Damien Falemsa can cover 10 it's not really a massive loss um, I still think they could be in a bit of trouble if they injure one of their you know outside backs but you know we'll see how they go obviously they don't see it as a problem and I'm sure they've got some sort of failsafe that I haven't thought of. Let's get to the good stuff. Wallabies squad breakdown. So this squad is primarily just selected for um, the Bledisloe Cup games. It will lead into the Rugby Championship. I think the important thing to remember is this squad can still have names added to it uh, once they recover from injuries because I know there were a lot of players that you know were in contention but didn't quite you know recover in time. Much the same as those players on this list uh, one we'll get to in a little bit, who you know made this cut but won't actually be able to play in those first few matches. So that's going to be something that's um, definitely noteworthy. And I guess on top of that as well, when we look at the players involved here and um, you know the squads that they've chosen before, Dave Rennie named his squad for that French series, but we still saw the likes of Trevor Jose training with the squad, even though he wasn't announced as a call up. We still saw players um, jump into the squad when there were injuries to cover. So Cam Orr, uh, Ira Simone, and um, I think there was someone else as well um, in the forwards that, that came in as cover just because we had, you know, those injuries, we needed someone to replace them. Um, 
So expect a little bit of shuffling with this. I don't think this is the, the finalized squad. I think the thing I like most about the squad is that he named the 42 players and then within six hours, um, the biggest bombshell dropped with a different name added. So how about instead of sort of dancing around, we'll cut through and have a look at all the different positions. I've just tried to go through and look at um, the players in probably their preferred position, or at least what I consider their preferred position. Obviously, if you disagree with these, um, feel free to get in touch and you know discuss if you think I've got them in the wrong spot. But this is mainly based off uh, where they played predominantly for the club level, but also where I think they could best benefit the Wallabies. So um, there are definitely a few options in here that could play a, a range of spots. Anyway, let's dive into the important players. Starting with our scrum, we've got the Lucid props, number one. This is such a good mix. I'll try and do a bit of a, a ranking, an informal ranking as we go through. I, I'll change the systems. It might be a number. It might be a letter. But um, A plus for Lucid props. How good is this? Slip is the most experienced, um, you know, forward rolling around at the moment in the front row. He's just got so much experience. He's um, awesome in the loose and tackling. He's great in the scrums, obviously, which is a massive boost. And he doesn't really show any signs of slowing down despite, you know, being 32. We've got the biggest young gun, um, you know, must-have prop going around on the loose head side. I think we've also got that for the tight head. But Angus Bell's just, you know, come leaps and bounds. And I'm really excited to see how he goes and see if he makes the 23 when we've got our full contingent here. Obviously, adding to the experience, Scotty Seo um, hasn't had much of a chance this year, I think, because he's playing behind Slipper at Brumbies and he's been injured for the um, French series. But he still has a lot to offer. He's a big body, and I think he's someone that could be really useful just for those games that do get a bit niggly and are a bit tighter. And then the play that I'm most excited about, only because it's a big change and he missed out last time, was Tom Robertson. Now, Tom Robertson, he comes in with 24 test caps of experience. So he's he's already played a fair bit of all of his rugby. The big thing for me is I think he probably would have come into the squad last time instead of Cam Moore. But, you know, because he was uh, already lined up to play Bay of Plenty for the Western Force and because he probably wasn't going to overtake Angus Bell in the 23, uh, they probably just saw it as a better fit that he gets some game time and some good minutes for his uh, club team. And if that is the reason, that's great. I'm fully on board with it. But I think it makes sense that he's in this side. I think he can cover both sides of the scrum pretty well. I think he's a great defensive player, and I think he's a pretty good scrummager as well. He's just not quite as big as the others. And I think that's probably the area where they were, you know, umming and ahhing about whether it would be a good trade-off. But I think he's still got a lot to offer. Uh, look out for him having a crack against the Argentinians. The hookers. Most talked about position, um, and not for good reason, really. We're still not sure of who is our best hooker. Um, it definitely seems like BPA, but then there's that, you know, I guess shadow hanging over the head saying that, well, he's going to France, so who's going to take over and who's going to be the next best hooker? So who's our, our two and three hooker at the moment? Because we need to have, you know, options in line. And I look at the options here. I thought Faladi Kaitu had a great Super Rugby season, and I think he's got a lot of promise. I thought Jordan Lessie um, didn't have a great super rugby season in particular. Um, he managed to get through most of it uninjured. He had some good games, but still the niggly bits in the temper that um, end of the season where he got the yellow card really needlessly for the off the ball stuff. I'm concerned about that. Um, he's still young, so he can develop into that, but you know, he's our most experienced hooker in the squad, which is quite alarming. And then Lockie Lonigan. Um, he got two caps over the French series and he's, 
obviously the young gun, he's only 21. There's a lot of potential there for him. So I think we're all, you know, holding out hope that he's going to be the next big thing, but he's fighting for a spot with Fly, um, sorry, Fly Fyinga and Cotton McInerney at the Brumbies. So it's hard to expect him to get, you know, as much development as possible if he's not even guaranteed to start at his own club. But also on top of that, if he's sharing minutes with, you know, two other players that have been in Wallaby's contention. So issues here, we'll sort of cover this as a few, um, a few questions that came up on Twitter that, Cover this a bit more. This is my rough area. I'm giving this sort of a, a five out of ten. I think I've already swapped from letters to numbers. Sorry, but um, you know, this is like ESC. There's just no one in here that really jumps out and is even pushing for World 15 selection. There's no one that you know is screaming um, must start. BPA is definitely doing the best job of that so far, but I still think when we're coming up against Cody Taylor. Dane Coles, um, Bonkin Banambi, Malcolm Marks, Julian Montoya. Um, it, it's tough ask. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Not writing them off, but this is an area where I'm keen to see the most development. Tight head prop. Interesting spot. Really interesting spot because I think Taniela Tupo and Alan Alalatoa are both in the top five tight head props in the world, probably maybe top six, but like they're both really good. Um, a lot of teams to be happy to have their impact. They offer a lot to scrums to the loose. Alan Alalatoa defensively is just a rock. He's, he's unreal. And I think we've, you know, worked out that really nice combo of him starting a tube off the bench. It's a dream combo. The only thing that's stopping this from being as good as the loose head side is Pony Farmasuli is not developed. So we have two really good players uh, and then that's sort of the end of the line. I'm actually looking at the squad kind of thinking that, you know, if, if push came to shove, they'd probably put Slipper as the reserve tight head if one of these guys went down injured just because he can play on the tight as well. Um, it's great that Pony Farmer is making the squad. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm pretty excited by him and I think he's a great prospect. He's got a great physique for the um, position but he's not really getting that same development or experience if he's not playing. So I'm, I'm interested to see if he actually gets a bit of a run this, um, this year. I think if he doesn't, then we haven't really done our best to develop the tight head role spot. And it does mean that if anything does happen to Tupo or Alalatoa, then we are in a little bit of trouble. Um, but I guess if nothing happens to them, we're perfect because they're two phenomenal players. So just, I'll give it a, a, um, no, I'll take one out of Alalatoba's name. Um, it, it's good, but I hope you can see my area of concern. I, I think we just need one more play developed, whether that's uh, Pone or uh, Harry Johnson Holmes. I don't really mind, but obviously Pony's in the squad, so let's let's see how he copes um, with some test experience. The locks is the toughest area to pick because I think a lot of people are still arguing that we've got our best players overseas. So we look at the mix of locks, uh, Matt Phillip, Isaac Rodder, Darcy Swain, Lucan Salakai Loto, Nick Frost. You may have noticed I just read those ones out because I've been doing this as a video um, forum. I'm sure a lot of you are probably just listening to it as a pod. So I will try and call out a bit more of it now, but there are five locks. You could argue Rob Liotta um, could be a tight head lock option. It's an interesting mix. Instantly with Isaac Rodder, we add 
for an extra 25 test caps. So that's pretty handy. Phillips got 12. Salako Lotto's got 28. Darcy Swain just picked up three. Um, this area has become a lot more solid than we probably thought it would just based off the players we've got available. Um, so this is a nice change. I, I think this is really a, um, a big boost. I think because we didn't see Philip or Isaac Rodder in Super Rugby this year, the lock position was a bit more concerning than we first thought. Um, and then when we had the injury to Caden Neville, it seemed like we didn't really have that much um, option going on. But Darcy Swain stood up, uh, did a great job through the series. It's going to be really tough to pick a starting combo and also a bench option from this set. Uh, Nick Frost is a great inclusion. He's only 21. I don't expect him to get any game time. Um, but I think getting him in the environment is a great thing to do, especially because he's come from New Zealand. He's had that time in the Crusaders Academy. It'd be nice to try and um, lean him towards the Australian side. So if he does you know, develop that bond with the with the squad and he feels like he does want to become a Wallaby, that's great for down the track. He's obviously a big body. He's quite quick. So there's a lot that can be developed with him. Very exciting prospect. Very different to the start of the year. I think I'm going to have to give the locks a pretty good mark. I think this is like a B plus, you know. I wouldn't say that many of these guys are, you know, at the Edsworth Retallic level and we're not expecting them to be. But I think from before the French series when we were so concerned about our lock depth, I'd be happy with so many of these guys starting. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys in action. I, I will say for the people in the um, that are watching this, I've got Isaac Rodder in a Reds jersey. I, I wasn't looking overly hard. Didn't find one um, on the front page that was in a Force jersey, obviously, yet, or in a Leon jersey. But just know that I'm, I'm not trying to steal him back. Force fans, you can have him. I'm, I'm excited for you to have him. Let's have a look at the back row. Blindside flankers. Again, this is an area that I'm pretty happy with because I haven't included all options here. Some of those number eights could still cover across, but Rob Valentini's done great. Lockie Swinton's done great. So really excited by those two. I think either of them could start. We'd have you know a great prospect of ball running ability, tackling, line out work, um, physicality, and rucks, and you know just trying to run up on the um, attack. I, I think we've got some great options there. Rob Liotta. He's, again, probably not that likely to get game time. Sorry, just jumped ahead. Um, only 24, but I mean, he's technically older than the other two options here. I do like that his squad involvements have made that he's going to stay around in Australian rugby because I think out of the Rebels, he was a bit of a bright spark. He did offer something a bit different. My concern, what I'd love to hear from, um, I, I guess, Rennie or some of the Wallaby squad members is where is he getting the most training? Is he being developed as a six? Is he getting developed as a lock? Do they see him as maybe a bit of a replacement um, tight head lock because he's got you know a bit lower center of gravity, a bit of push? Like, is he trying to put on some size to fill that role? Um, it's quite open, but I do like his work rate. So if he did get some game time across the series, which I'm not particularly expecting, but if he did, I think we'd see a whole lot of effort. And I guess we've got to consider when we look back to last year, we probably didn't expect Swinton to get game time. And he did. And his 30 minutes against the All Blacks was really highly um, praised and talked about. So no reason why Leota can't join that club. Open side is pretty clear cut. Uh, Fraser McWright, one cap, 12 minutes. Um, and that was last year. So he might get a chance off the bench. We saw in the French series that we relied on Hooper. And I think that makes all the sense in the world, given he hadn't been around um, many of these players this year. 
And when you consider the fact that all the games were so close against the French, we didn't have the luxury of taking off our most experienced player and our leader and, you know, letting someone else come on. Fraser McCrot would do a great job, I've got no doubt, but this was a tough series. And I think maybe in some of the games in the rugby championship, we will get a bit more opportunity to play with Fraser and get him some experience because I think he offers a lot. Um, that, again, ties into some of the questions at the end. So I won't go all the way through, but, I mean, clearly Hooper's the captain, so he's going to be the one to start. It's going to be tough to get the jersey off him. Number eight, how exciting is this? This is, I think, my favourite position just in terms of the players involved. Um, a little bias with Harry Wilson because he was on the podcast before. Um, but outside of that, Issy Nice and Ronnie, what a wrecking ball. Like, what a great person to have come on and just cause havoc. I, I was really impressed with his games. He started well against France in the third game, but his impact on the bench in the first two was unreal. And is there a better on a representation of just what rugby should be than Pete Samu? Got the shirt tucked in, players on the wing, scores some ridiculous tries, is awesome in attack, puts on some big hits. I mean, I know that it involved uh, Lolasio having a standout game as well, but that game that they beat the Chiefs in New Zealand last year, how good was Salmon? I think he scored two of the tries. Just an unreal performance. Um, I love this lot. Like, this is such a good group of players to choose from, uh, to the point that it's going to be so hard that not all three of them are in the 23 or at least it seems really unlikely that it'll all be in the 23. Um, but whoever misses out, it's, it's just such a uh, sign of the depth they've got because this is three great options. So, um, I mean, there you have it. I don't think you'll catch me saying a bad word about these three. I can say a bad word about some of these guys. Scrum halves. Um, good mix. I'm surprised we've got four scrum halves in here with only the two out-and-out fly halves. I would have thought we'd probably offer another there, but um, great to have depth in this position as well. I realize I've gone off the whole marking scheme. I would always thought it was going to be hard to keep going. Um, retroactively, I might give some grades for numbers out, but scrum halves, I'm stoked with this. Nick White's a really great experienced leader. You know, He can play the smart boxing game. He can run the ball. He's got a good pass. All about him starting. McDermott, Super quick. Um, he reads the game better than most halfbacks. I think he's just got such an eye for space and for people on his um, you know, inside shoulder. He, he really finds gaps well for others. And Jake Gordon, he's got like the mix of both of them. And while he doesn't quite um, get to the same level of expertise as White or the you know darting game of McDermott, I think he's just an awesome option that Realistically, the first game did his, I guess, reputation a little bit of damage because it wasn't the smoothest performance, but he'd just come back from injury. He's a class operator. So three awesome options to choose from. Um, yeah, I wish I had Ando on here to talk about Ryan Lonergan because um, he can probably do more justice than what I'll say. I think it's exciting that he's in there. I think, you know, he's young, he's 23. He's got a great cannon of a boot it seems like he's a pretty natural progression to take over from Nick White once, um, you know, once he retires, because, you know, White's 31. It makes sense that, you know, Lonergan takes a spot at the Brumbies and in the squad for the Wallabies. So I think it's a natural progression move. I don't think he's going to get any game time um, this year. And I, I do think it would be premature to give him game time this year. I think give him some more time for the Brumbies, let him develop there. 
Um, we've seen other players rushed in, but mainly because the position required it. I don't think scrum half requires it. Because you've got to keep in mind, we've also got um, Joe Powell that we could you know, call up on. He's got a few caps to his name. He's older, he's experienced. I mean, God, we could utilize the ghetto law, get um, Nick Phipps back from London Irish if needed. I mean, given we got Quaid in the team, we could get Willie Genia back. So, um, look, I, I think this is a strong error. I think this is an A as well, but I, I do think we will need to settle pretty soon on who our um, best backup is because Nick White, I think, still is a clear starter. There's still a lot of debate around Gordon and McDermott. I'm keen to see how that uh, unravels. And I think this you know, setup of games could really help try and answer that for us. Fly half. God, I hope people are watching because this is this is what everyone wants to talk about, right? We've got Quaid back in the mix. Um, I don't know how well the photo is. Obviously, it's hard to find photos of him um, you know, in the recent game time. So I tried to find one while of his base. Second exciting pick. You know, it's smart for him running because firstly it takes away from all the younger players. Like this is a massive um, I guess talking point for the media, it takes the pressure off a lot of the other guys around. I guess it's the closest we'll get to that Rassi Rassus move of um, you know, taking the heat off players with a you know a Twitter tirade. But this is a really exciting mix. Uh Nolo Lucio came into his own with that French series. His kicking, 18 from 19 kicks, I think it was. Um ridiculous numbers for a young player and they're not all easy kicks so i was stoked with that james o'connor is the best fly half in australia when he's healthy he's not healthy at the moment so um give him time to recover keen to see how he bounces back and then quaid you know 33 is getting there um he's obviously still got skills um he was a great attacking player in his prime i think he's still got probably a bit to offer in terms of the um, training sessions and helping Lolicio out. And by all accounts, he's still in contention. Like no one's saying he can't play. But I, I do think that would be quite a bold call. Um, and I don't see it happening. I think it really would come down to a few injuries because I think, you know, even though I've listed these three as the fly halves, I still think if Tamu is healthy, we'd probably play him there. Um, and if Reese Hodges is healthy, I think we'd still play him there before QC. It might be interesting to see who's the priority 10 out of Hodgson or more but um yeah for the time being i don't see quaid as getting any game time but I'd, I'd, I'd be i'd be very happy to be proven wrong i think there'd be a massive talking point i think he'd you know he'd be really really keen to try and prove everyone wrong that you know he should have got more game time in the last four years under the checker era inside center uh Tuomu that we just mentioned before, 57 caps, he's overtaken O'Connor as I think what the fifth most um, capped player in the squad. So he provides a lot of experience, can play 10 or 12. Lalakai Fichetti, um didn't get a cap partially, I think because um, Izzy Parisi wasn't there to get the um, cap with. I think that combination would have been good to see together. I'm excited to see him. He's He's got a really good skill set for inside center. And I think if we can get him sort of you know, 5%, um, I don't even want to say more skillful, but that 5% more switched on with the players and linking with the 10 and 13, he could be a really damaging option. But I think that's what we've already got with Hunter Paisami. So I don't think we'll see too much of that change. Obviously, Paisami played the first two games at 13. I think his best spot's 12. I, I just think with his size, with his ability to kick and pass, um, 
And just with how he sees the game, I think 12 just makes a bit more sense. And we have so many 13 options when we've got a healthy squad. So it it really does depend on how that shapes. Because of that, and why I say healthy, um, we don't have a healthier squad at the moment. But I think we've got some awesome talent here for outside center. So Lenny Cattell got two games. Was named in all three. It was a shame he didn't get on for the first one, but it was so tight that I can sort of understand why. Um, the interesting return, probably, I don't know if it's a bigger talking point than the Quade Cooper one, but uh, definitely the biggest um, squad announcement surprise was Duncan Payawa. Um, zero caps. He did play for the Wallabies against the Barbarians. So we got the, the cap and not the test cap there. Um, and that was a really interesting game because that was you know, a mixture of you know players from all walks of life that, you know, not many are still playing in Australian rugby. I might go into that later if we've got a bit of time. Um, but he's 26 years old. He's quite experienced now. I'll go into exactly how he played um, when we get to the questions at the end, but an interesting option. Um, and I think most people probably would have had him at 10, 12 or 15 before they put him here. There is a reason why I've got him here, but I don't, yeah, I, just, I think he's a bit like the Quaid option. I think he's, you know, able to offer some insights and, you know, has a bit of experience doing other things, but I don't know if he's the guy to chuck into a blood as cup match. Um, we'll see. Jordi Pattaya is, you know, potential. He is the backs version of Angus Bell, you know, young, talented. Everyone wants him because they can see that at his best, he could just be uncontrollable. And that's what we want. We want to see him like that. Unfortunately, um, myself included, we don't know what his best position is. He's played a lot of 13 for the Reds. He played 13 for the Wallabies before. He's played a lot of right wing for the Reds. Um, he's played on the right wing for the Wallabies as well. He's played on the left wing for the Wallabies as well too, I think, actually. He's played, I think, all three positions in his first year of playing. Um, and then, of course, the big talking point is, could he play a fullback? There's a lot of options for this guy, and I, I want to see him solidify one spot. Whether that's outside center, I'm not sure. I've put him in here just because of the lack of options. Personally, I like him on the right wing, but it seems like we've got a few wing options. I'd love to see him just nail one of those spots down, keep it for Wallabies and Reds level. But I do think that in our best 23, he's in there somewhere. Whether it's on the bench because he can cover a few spots, or you know whether it's starting at 13 or 14, Jordi Pataya is one of our most talented players. So let's get him starting somewhere. Our wings. They're a pretty good mix. Not household names, not, um, you know, celebrity status wings. They're not, you know, going to be making as big a plays perhaps as frequently as a Caleb Clark or Severo Reese or a Will Jordan or, you know, definitely not a Colby. But really talented players here. Um, Tom Wright didn't have his best game um, in the second French game, but really skillful player. Uh, I think Reed's game well, could play fullback as well. Uh, we'll get into the fullback discussion because obviously that's been brought up a bit. Andrew Callaway, again, smart rugby player. I think he said that in every pod I've done since uh, seeing the first game. Um, Reed's the game well. And I think sometimes when it comes to, you know, having someone with this ridiculous skill set, that's great, but they need to know what to do with it. And Callaway, he knows what to do with it. You know, he knows where to be and what to do and where he should be to help the players around him. So I think he's a really handy player to have in the squad. Andy Muirhead, um, 29 years old, so a bit older than 
all the rest of the guys here. So I don't know. I, I think I see him probably more in that Ryan Lonergan, Quade Cooper, um, Rob Liotta role of also having the squad and high work rate, high energy, but probably not um, likely to get game time. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cutthroat sport. So it is hard to, you know, think that, you know, they've got someone that's talented that isn't going to get some action, but that's, you know, just how I see it at the moment. Um, we've got some pretty other other solid options in front. And our best for last, Marika Corrin Betty. I mean, most experienced player. He was all of our source of attack in the first two games against France. Got the red card in the third one. Um, and I thought that was doom and gloom because he was just so vital to our team. But he... He proved that um, you know that the team could still galvanise, and they realised how big a loss he was. Interesting options here. I've skipped out on the grades. Um, I want to give this area like a B. Um, Corbetti bumps up a lot of that mark, but then I am concerned because Corbetti is going overseas. He's um, signed the deal to head to Japan. If we had Filippo Dunguno in this mix or Suliasi Vunavalu, um, you know, a couple of my Reds boys, then, um, you know, it does look a bit more formidable. It does look a bit stronger. We look like we've got some of the strike weapon options. I think if we lose Corin Betty from this slot, we don't have the same sort of piercing attack that we probably need. I'd say then Kellaway is our best finisher. And, you know, we would just compare that to just the grunt work that uh, Corin Betty gets through it's really hard to replace. So the tough act here is a bit similar to tight head prop. What are we doing um, to try and bounce back and, you know, build our depth if something were to happen? And then fullback utility, Tom Banks, um, yeah, 14 caps there, Reese Hodge, 46 caps. I'm pretty happy with those two options. Um, I thought Banks played really well. I think Hodge is a great fit back there if he's seen as the first choice. I think it suits his game a lot more than playing on the wing, just, you know, speed-wise and aerial game kicking. Uh, plus, he's got some great defense. So, uh, there's a lot of complaints about fullback. I think the reason for that being that none of these guys are as freakish as Israel Flair. You know, I don't think anyone is. So, they are a little bit disappointed that we don't have a fullback that's, you know, just creating tries out of nowhere like him. And then the other thing is Kurtley Beal also played a bit back there. And what I'd say about Kurtley Beal is... He's quite a hot and cold player. So because people have seen him at his absolute best, they know what could happen at fullback. And I think we're seeing these two options and seeing um, at the moment they haven't given us that best Curly Beal performance. But at the same time, they're probably doing just as well as you know, Curly Beal averagely does and probably better than his bad game. So I, I think the fullback option is interesting. I think they probably need to be cut a little bit of slack because I think they're you know solid options to work with. That was a lot. Um, need to process a lot of that because as I talk myself through all the positions, I think I've put together something up on the on the screen. I might try and put that up on Twitter as well for people that are just listening. But I put up my preferred 15 um, with a bench. And I also put up the most capped 15 and least capped 15 that we could choose from our squad. The good thing I'll say with those, um, just in case you, know, you listen to this and you don't want to find it on Twitter, uh, the most cap 15 has nearly 50 more caps than it did after that French series. So that's great. Because right? it means all those players that, you know, were getting game time, they've just added to that. It also means like some other players, you know, 
get a nice bit like because we could put Quade Cooper in there. He's technically more captain all of our other fly half options. So that's a nice change. Isaac Rodder, we could chuck him in there. He's more captain all of our other um, lock options outside of the Salico Loto. So there's a nice change there. And the other nice thing is our least cap 15 is now a lot more capped as well. You know, we've got rid of um, Michael Wells and we've replaced him with Pete Sum. There's a 10 cap uh, difference right there. Um, but we've also got more caps to some of our least experienced players like Bell, Swinton, Valentini, Lola Seo, Tom Wright, Andrew Kellaway. You know, we're, we're building a bit more depth. So this is nice. For the team that I'd like to see for the first game, even as I typed it, you know, I've been looking at it for ages. There's still probably a few spots that I'm not 100% set on or that I'd change. Um, but if you haven't already been looking at it for the last two minutes, the team would be um, James Slipper, Brandon Pangramosa, and Tony Latupo. Um, and see, look, even as I'm saying that, I'm realizing I want Alatoa there and not Tupo. So that can all change. So let's say Slipper, BPA, and Alatoa starting. Rodder and Salakai Lodo are one of our most experienced locks out there. Rodder was our best Wallaby lock, um, or probably second best Wallaby lock before he left. So, you know. Let's get him back in there. I think he'll catch up to speed pretty quickly. Rob Valentini, Michael Hooper, Harry Wilson, dream back row. White and Lola here in the halves, get that Brumbies combination going, get a bit of experience. Marika Corin Betty and Geordie Pattaya on the wings. Hunter Paisami and Len Ikatao in the centers and Tom Banks at fullback. That gives a bench of Faladi Kai Tu, Angus Bell, and Tania Latupo. Darcy Swain, I've kept on the bench. Um, I still like Matt Phillip, but I think. Yeah, Swain just had such a great series. Let's keep a bit of that momentum going. Issy Nice Rani in the 20 jersey with Tate McDermott, Matt Tomua, and Reese Hodge on the bench. Uh, the bench backs I'm not set on. Um, I do think we could afford to have McDermott and Hodge and then someone else that might be a bit more of a specialist player. Um, whether that's someone like a Callaway or a, or a Fichetti, I don't really know yet, but... There's room for that to change, and I think when we get the full uh, squad assembled for the rugby championship, then we could see that uh, come into effect. So that's just my thoughts on the, the best team we can name. I'm sure there'll be plenty of disagreements with that. That's that's fine. That's great, actually. Um, you can definitely talk me out of some of them, but some of them I'm pretty steadfast on. So honestly, um, get in touch on Twitter if you if you do have a different team, because I'm, I'm keen to hear them all and hear justifications for all of them. But let's get a look at the questions because so many people uh, wrote in and honestly, that was uh, kind of the nice thing because, you know, I'll just talk about rugby because I enjoy it. So it's good to have so many people online sort of doing the same thing and just thinking, yep, let's keep the conversation going. Let's get a few people going. So I guess firstly, I do apologize for not um, responding on Twitter. I thought it'd be good to get um, some of the thoughts on here just to see how many people are checking in. But also I think... Um, once my thoughts are out there, it's probably a bit easier to comment back and to you know, say why I'm wrong or why you disagree. Oh, sorry, just before that, for the people watching, I have put up um, the previous teams under Rennie. That's also on Twitter. So people that are probably listening have already seen it, I imagine. Um, but that just gives a bit of an idea as to some of the players that um, you know that have already played before. So if you are watching this, uh, just yeah, feel free to pause and have a look through, see some of the players he's opted for. I think the big things we can see is that Philip has played every game that he's had. Um, Hooper's played every game under Rennie. Uh, White's played every game that he's available. Same with Slipper. Um, 
Pangaromosa's played eight out of the nine. Like we're, we're seeing a lot of consistency. So I think Rennie is really trying to pick his best team. Um, so I'm not expecting too many changes. That's why I tried to keep my team pretty similar to the French series. But um, yeah, I, I think a good insight here. And look, so even as I'm saying that, does all this consistency mean that Philip and Swain are guaranteed to be in the 23 and that Rodder has to work his way back in? Probably. I just think that Rodder's, you know, realistically our best lock at his best. So let's just see how long it takes to get back to that form. Anyway, Q&A. A lot of questions. Firstly, from Big Will at Big Will Rugby, is Mog an option at 15 for the Wallabies? Uh, yeah, he is. He's got to prove himself, though. I think his time overseas hasn't been um, entirely healthy. I don't think he's had that much game time, really, compared to how long he's been overseas for. So I don't think it is anytime soon. And I think he's made a stupid decision to go to the Brumbies where we've got the current Wallabies fullback. Um, better decision would have been going to the Waratahs. But, you know, he, he did what he did. He wants the competition. So, you know, power to him. But, yeah, he's definitely in the chase, especially because I don't think fullback is one of those lockdown positions. Um, at Botliff, which is James Smythe on Twitter, said, is Caden Neville still injured? He had a cracker of a Super Rugby season. Yeah, he had the most Super Rugby um, takes in the lineouts out of all the Australian players. Um, so I was really excited to see him play. I think with his injury, sort of lucky Tamani came in and took that spot. And unfortunately, because Isaac Rodgers come back in, Darcy Swain's emerged as a real talent, and we're trying to build that next wave. So we're going to um, Nick Frost. I think, unfortunately, for Neville, he probably doesn't have age on his side. And you know, by the time the World Cup rolls around, we're going to have a few more developed players and a few players that are in a bit more prime. So unfortunately, I think he missed out just because of that. I do think he's still injured. So I do think that factors in somewhat. Um, but I think regardless, it was going to be really hard to try and come back um, in time to try and get to this rugby championship, especially when he hasn't been capped before and he doesn't know the, the squad that well. So there is that sort of working against him. And uh, at Rowan Edgar, um, so the Rebels rugby guy on Twitter, what's the short, medium, long-term thinking at 15 for the Wallabies? For me, this is a pretty easy question because I I like Banks. So I think short-term it's him, medium-term it's him. Long-term I do get that there is need to maybe try and find someone else. I think the, the main options that are listed in camp um, from Rowan, uh, Jordi Pattaya, Tom Wright, and Suli Vunavalu as outside options to be the fullback. And I think from them, again, if I could go back to the MOG, decision to go to the Brumbies. I think it's going to be very hard for Tom Wright to play fullback when Banks has cemented himself as the fullback at the Brumbies. So I don't see, I think he stays on the wing and I think that's a good spot for him. I think Jordi Pattaya is the best fit for that. And I guess the obvious thing there is um, Bryce Hegarty's left the Reds to go to Leicester. Um, so he's obviously going to vacate that fullback role. Jock Campbell could take it, but at the same time, he played a bit on the wing, so Jordi Pattaya might take the fullback role and can really develop that as a position of his own. So I guess long-term through that different option, Jordi Pattaya. But short and medium-term, I've already said um, Banks and Hodge, I'm more than happy with. Um, Big Will gets in touch again, and I, I like this one. It says, in a shit mood about uh, Cooper's making the squad, uh, I feel like Rennie should have picked Harrison before the French test and he should have been in the squad because we all know there was another chance. Uh, sorry, there was, we all know there was a chance that another 10 would be needed. 
Now, this is more the fact that Quaid's in the squad only because Will Harrison is in New South Wales and can't travel to Queensland and then travel to New Zealand. Um, and I feel you because he should have been in the squad. But I also think, you know, what with hindsight, I can't really be mad that Quaid's in there because there are no other 10s rolling around. I guess the exception might be Carter Gordon. Um, but, I mean, it's a very different picking Carter Gordon to Will Harrison. Will Harrison's played at least two seasons of Super Rugby now. Carter Gordon's played, what, two full games. Um, so, yeah, as much as Carter Gordon I see as a great future prospect, definitely if there's a test tomorrow, I'd pick Quaid over him 100%. You know, he's always experienced. He's been in that position before, and he's still in great shape. So I'm, I'm not as pissed off as you are about it, but at the same time, I do I do get the concern because Will Harrison should be there. Um, and it's a real shame that, you know, because of the situation, he can't be. Fifth question in. This one comes from Jason Sherman, and there's another one from uh, Jason Sherman as well, so I'm glad. Um, I should shout him out. He gets involved in pretty much every live rugby chat I've done with Pick and Drive. He gets involved with every Facebook discussion, Twitter discussion. So um, nice work, Jason. I think that's pretty much just the same as what I do, so it's good to see um, you know, so much engagement with all the different social media platforms. He gets in touch first to say, that, do you think uh, Tom Robertson gets a crack off the bench? He's probably one of the best scrummages at loosehead prop. Does this maybe sneak him into the 23 over the likes of Bell? Plus his defense is excellent and scrum penalties might be a real point of difference. I do agree that he's probably um, just a better scrummager. I think part of it is um, the forward pack as a unit. He's obviously got better locks pushing behind him like Jeremy Thrush. Siddalaki Tamani, that's a massive boost. So I do think that's a big uh, thing to consider. The other thing to consider is through Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, Tom Robertson got penalized six times, um, a few of those with the scrum infringements. And in contrast, Angus Bell only got penalized twice. Um, it's a different kettle of fish when we're looking at forcing scrum penalties. But again, I think when we look at the two of them, while Tom Robertson is more experienced, he's played on both sides, he has been in you know, a lot more scrums. I do think it's important to consider the whole forward unit. Um, and this is where the Tars fell so desperately short in that they didn't have proper locks pushing um, or at least, you know, quality locks like the force had. So I'd, I'd take it with a bit of a grain of salt. I don't think he pushes out um, Bell. I think Bell's still the reserve loose head. Um, and I think he's still got a bit of work to you know, push out Scott Sear. But he's a great um, cover option. And Tom Robertson and Harry Justin Holmes are those two players that I think they're the kind of guys you want as your squad prop because they can cover both sides and do a really good job at both. So um, I'm not casting Robertson out yet, but I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be replacing him or putting him in the best 23 just yet. Nelson Dale from Draft Rugby and at Nelson H. Dale. Um, again, <laughs> he's everywhere on Twitter. If you've got a Twitter account and you've followed anything rugby, you've seen Nelson before. So stoked that he's getting in touch as well. Uh, I think uh, Harry did as well, his brother. So they're both all over Twitter, make sure you're following the two of them. Um, Nelson asks, how long will it take to get Karevi back in the squad? Admittedly, I, I didn't read the full article by Christy Doran. Um, obviously, he's made the Olympics bid and he's an absolute freak. He's someone that I think is a superstar player, um, the best attacking center in the game at the moment and someone who would be a instant walk into the Wallabies. 
but all the buzz seems to be about, you know, how this seven series could be the last time he represents gold, you know, the money he's trying to make for his family and, you know, what he's trying to do um, over in Japan. So I do hope there's some sort of loophole that can be made that grants him access to play. Um, because realistically, if it's just a question of coming up with a, you know, variation of the ghetto law that allows him, we should be bending that ASAP to get him in. You know, if it comes down to the choice between him and Payawa, you know, I'm keen to see what Payawa does, but, you know, it's Karevi 100% of the time. So I'm, I'm keen to see what happens in the future with that relaxing of the laws and how we go about trying to get some of those players back from Japan. Um, at Cactus Back, got in touch and said, we saw BPA, Lonigan Yelessi against French. Thoughts on how they went and who could be two when BPA leaves. He also said the best center combo at the moment. And how do you think Pattaya and Payawa will be used? Um, and ties in with that, why do our best centers have cool P names? So we've got Paisami, Pattaya, Parisi. Um, yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, we could nearly name a whole backline with cool P names if we chuck in Joe Powell's not that cool, but Rishan Pasatoa. Um, we, we could get quite a nice backline going. So I'll leave that up to um, I know the rugby fixation Twitter sphere. Um, get in touch. What's the best backline you can make with just name starting with one letter? P looks like it's on track to win that. That's some awesome players in there. But look, to touch on the first points, um, I think our best hooker after BPA, our two best hookers after BPA, because we need a squad would be Dave Parecki and Faletti Kaitu. Um, Faletti Kaitu, we haven't seen at test level yet. He was injured when that squad got announced, but he's obviously high in Dave's reckoning. So I think, you know, I'm keen to see what he does. And he had a great super season. If he can get that line out throwing going, perfect. Let's get him in there. Dave Parecki was our best hooker in Super Rugby AU and Trans-Tasman from my perspective. I thought he had the best balance of everything you want your hooker to do. Um, set piece was really good. He uh, tried to play in the list quite a bit, but his uh, old head is quite experienced. Um, he seemed to be making quite good decisions a lot of the time. And he seemed to be getting quite involved with his um, loose play, even though there were perhaps a few issues with that. So it's tough for me. I think I think it's those two, but again, we haven't seen Alex Murphy because he's been injured. We've got three different options that play for the Brumbies. We've got, um, you know, Yelas is definitely not a big option. He's our biggest player out of the lot. So I'm really not sold on that. But best set and combo, easy. Um, Paisami Ikatel. I think that's a combo going forward. I'm keen to see Parisi get a crack because he's damaging. But there's something I really like about Ikatel. And it's one of those things that's it's hard to quantify. There's something about him that's just really smooth. And I think he offers a great mix in attack and defense. The reading of the game is quick. And I think he's one of those players that once he starts getting comfortable with the team he's in and getting the ball for himself, um, will be quite spoiled. Uh, after that, uh, Matt, so this is um, at NRC Rugby and Old Glory and Sydney Rugby fan on Twitter, um, saying, what was Rodder doing the last 15 months and what was his form like? Um, I was like, Rodder had been over in France playing for Lyon. Um, in that season, I think it was he played... 25 games and he started 24 of them. So that's a really good um, sign. Uh, looking at his last few games, he he scored three tries in the season, which is a pretty good haul for a lock. He only got carded the once. His discipline was pretty good outside of that. Um, never had a high penalty counts. Um, in fact, the last four games, I didn't think he had a single penalty, which is great. Um, really good tackling stats. Didn't make a ton of tackles, but didn't miss 
Um, many other, again, I think in the last five or six games, he only missed two. Um, pretty good numbers for the him. Um, and the carries were good. So a few good game line carries. His team functioned pretty well in the line out as well. His um, team finished mid-table, so I think they were reasonably competitive and he stood out you know, pretty well. Um, we've seen lists go around of the best locks in top 14 and we had so many Aussies listed up there. I think he was in the top five of those. So, um, yeah, he, he's coming in in pretty good form. By his own admission, he's said that the training's been quite hard with the Wallabies because uh, the French season is built uh, as a slow grind because it's, you know, 30-plus games that are in the season. Um, you know, you never know how many games you have to get into, so you don't have the same sort of knockout mentality of, you know, this is a short, sharp competition. You've got to be in peak form ASAP. Um, so he's admitted that he's, you know, finding it a little hard to acclimatise back to Test Match Rugby, but I think you know, he's still got plenty of time to get that uh, balance right. So he's good. He was behind Arnold, probably our best lock, um, you know, before he left. I think the circumstances under which he left are still not desirable. It's not great, but um, he's going to provide a lot to the team. And the fact that we got three, well, not even three, sorry, we've got four locks that, you know, could all be starting and should all be in a 23 at some point. It's a great position for Rennie. I think we, we've already seen with the Brumbies and Reds, that sort of depth in key positions makes it really good for the sides to try and, you know, uh, outdo each other. So I'm very keen to see him because I, you know, realistically, I don't think he will be in the 23 for that first match. Um, I, I think he should be, and I'd, I'd like him to be, but I don't think he will be. Um, but having some of that caliber not get picked, that's just going to drive the training. So he, he's going to be fighting really hard for that. Um, in, in a similar vein, what has Payawa's form been like since he left? And remind us how he was going before he left. From memory, he seemed a lot of promise, but never really dominated at super level. Uh, that's from Hugh Tyndall, at Hugh Tyndall on Twitter. Um this is going back to where I, I had him at uh, 13. So he's he's been playing overseas as well. Um, he was moved around a fair bit. He was at Toulon. Uh, he played 20 games for them, started all 20. He played at outside centre uh, nine of the times. So that was the biggest chunk. He spent five games at fullback, five games at inside centre, and one game at 10. So I, I guess it's challenging um, to try and see his best form, but I think... He's been brought in mainly as that 13 role, um, but definitely as a center. He's an interesting player because he was a 12 that played really well because he had Samu Krovi outside him at the Reds. And that combination, like, you're going to look great if you can dish it off to him. Um, Checker wanted to give him a go at 10, and so he did. He played at fly half against the Barbarians, and he was okay. He scored two tries, um, but didn't do a great job of setting up the other players outside him. And I do think he was a bit of a makeshift 10. I think he sort of suited being a little bit further out. I will say that the only game he played at 10 for Toulon, he got red carded. And on top of that, in those other 19 games, he got three yellow cards. So discipline could be a bit of an issue, especially with the way we're seeing games refereed at the moment. Um, I think his form has been good without being outstanding. I think he's scored probably, what was it, two or three tries in that same amount of time. So again, similar numbers to Isaac Rodder. Do you need your back scoring that many tries? Maybe not because we saw Corin Betty go through Super Rugby AU without any tries. But, um, yeah, I don't think set the world alight. So I'm keen to see how he comes back here. And you're right, he didn't set the world alight before he left either. I think it was upsetting as a squad um, perspective. But I don't think it was, you know, 
like we were losing some um, key starters. So th that's going to be interesting to see how we replace. Uh, question number 10 coming through. How do we see them using Rodder? Is this the last chance? Oh, sorry. Is he the last chance lock in the squad? Or do you expect him to be pushing for a place in the 23? And did any of the other locks play themselves out of the side in the French series? So that comes in from uh, Harry Dale. That's interesting because I think, um, I guess to answer the last point, no. None of them played themselves out of position. I think Swain played himself into contention definitely with how well he played. I think Philip, um, he's one of those players that I think gets a bit of stick without really deserving it. I think people are missing having Simmons and Hannigan in there as a punching bag. So they're, they're looking for the next tallest, um, you know, white person to to create that um, enigma around. So, um, so no, I don't think he's played himself out either. I, I think Rod is definitely in consideration. I think... Unfortunately, because of having gone overseas, he sits last in the pecking order at the moment. But, you know, we see a few trainings. We see how he adapts to the squad. I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't be um, in that 23, you know, at least in the second game. Um, and if I had my way, he'd be starting in the first game. Well, I think he just offers a lot. And I don't think you lose that, um, that edge or that skill set just by playing over in France or just by having a different comp, I think we could use that extra bit of physicality, which is something he's admitted to having worked on. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers it. Mostly I've sort of gone around the circles and I've sort of mentioned Roderick a lot. I'm quite excited by him, but I think he's definitely in with a chance. Yeah, number 11, you already know how I'm going to answer this if you're seeing the question. How do you see Pete Samu fitting into Rennie's plans? He's been in and out of the squad, probably a little too old to be figuring into too many Rugby World Cup plans, being um, down the order, etc. Is he just a plug and play guy in case we have injuries, etc.? So this is also from Jason Sherman. You know I love stat diving, so I pulled out some goodies. Um, so Samu will be 31 at the time of the World Cup. I'll be 32 a little bit afterwards, but um, you know, 31. Here's some of the players that are within, let's say, 10 months of his age uh, that played at the last Rugby World Cup. Peter Omani, John Barclay, Ryan Wilson, Sergio Parise, Francois Lowe, Dwayne Vermeulen, Louis Picamol, uh, Wenceslas Lorette, Justin Tipiric, Aaron Shingler, Michael Leach, um, Lapis Labascagni, Hendrik Tui, Kieran Reid, Matt Todd, Manuel Leguizamon, uh, Ryan Wilson, David Pocock. Pretty good list. Um, I don't think age will be an issue. I think his form and fitness will be an issue, so I can see that part. But, I mean, you heard me talk about the number eights before. I love them. Um, I think Pete Summer is perfectly fit for this uh, role, and I think you know if he hadn't been injured, he would have been in the um, squad before as well. Um, yeah, to me... It makes a lot of sense. I think before the French series, I would have been saying that, you know, if he was in that squad, he'd be my perfect number 20 because I think he covers six and eight really well. I think he could also cover seven um, or at least better than perhaps the other back rowers could. But, yeah, no, I think he's still got a role to play in this team. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few minutes. I do think that age is perhaps not working on his side. But, I mean, if he's only going to be 31 by then, that's still definitely young enough to be going around. And, you know, we've seen him in open space. He's, he's still quick. He's still got a skill set. So he's not making up the numbers. He's, he's ready to play. 
And the last one from Jock Cudmore. Why the fixation on McWright? He got dropped from super for defense. So why not Liam Wright, who offers more, you know, in terms of the line out options and tackling, et cetera. It's an interesting point, And I think it's mostly down to just Fraser has, I mean, he's got the youth on his side. He's, you know, he's captained the under 20 sides. He's, He's a genuine fetcher. He's an out and out seven, which is something that I think we need to build on because we've, you know, been pretty prone to picking people out of out of position. And Rennie's probably seen that the natural fetchers like Pocock, we shifted to eight and Liam Gilbert didn't select because of the depth. And so he went overseas. I think he's really keen to try and keep uh, McWright in here because he's only 21. He's got so much time to build into this role. Um, I still think... I agree that he's not as big a line-out option as Liam Wright. I think his tackling's still pretty good. I, I get that he had a few misreads at the start of the Trans-Tasman comp. This was his biggest induction into the New Zealand competition. He hasn't played that many New Zealand sides at Super Rugby level yet. So he is going to develop and work his way into that. My goal for him, I guess, would be seeing him get some development. In saying all of that, I think Liam Wright should be in the squad. Um, I won't say who at the expense of, but not not McWright. Um, I think they should both be in there. And it's not just Resbos. I think Liam Wright does offer a lot. I think he does make a pretty good bench option because he could cover the um, open side as well. But yeah, no, I, I think I think McWright's definitely earned his spot in there. I think he was the best um, open side in Super Rugby this year. So you know, it makes sense to keep him going. Had we seen more of Liam Wright, had he not had that time off injured, we probably would have seen him in the squad. But I think this is a good chance for him to, you know, get back to his roots at um, East Rugby, get some good performances in there. And, you know, should an injury occur, he'll be ready to jump up and take a spot. So, yeah, I'm keen to see that. That is, wow, that's all of it. Um, that went a lot longer than I was expecting. Um, but really enjoyed that. I know it's probably a bit boring when it's just my voice. We don't have the, the, um, the research coming through of Northy or the, the hot takes or the um, energy of Curdy, but um, no, good to get that one out. And I think the more we can break down this side, the more we're talking about the teams and the players and the good things about them, um, the better off we'll be. I try to keep it mostly positive. I think there's, you know, obviously a few players that I might not have been as glowing about or some positions. I don't know my marking system <laughs> got absolutely nowhere. So um, by all means, give that a score out of 10. Um, my marking ability, I mean, realistically as a teacher it should be a bit better uh, but anyway if you stuck with it for this long thank you um it was good to get involved with so many of the people that got um questions in on twitter so i'll be sure to shout those people out and give them a tag when i get to um posting this and putting it all out there but how exciting is it that we've got rugby the weekend um that we can watch and it's test smash rugby but it's not our team so we can still build that excitement um, and we can still hypothesize, we can still, you know, create our 15s, we can, you know, discuss the merits of having Cooper in the squad um, without having to see any reaction to that team just yet. Now, I'm very excited for the games against New Zealand. I do think it's going to be a massive struggle, but, you know, who doesn't love a challenge? So hopefully we'll be in touch. Keep an ear out for us. Um, we'll be releasing podcasts hopefully weekly um, and also. I shouldn't have left it to the site, but definitely um, keep listening to Pick and Drive Rugby, doing a lot of um, a lot of work with their podcast as well now. And, you know, it's great to chat to Mitch and Ando about all the things going on in the world because they have such a, um, a, a positive and 
engaging way of going through all this stuff and they're much better at the socials than I am. So um, at least you're guaranteed to get uh, your regular up-to-date fixes and a set release schedule um, for the podcast. In any case, I think this is the longest I've ever spoken to just myself. So I'm going to um, hopefully save a little bit of embarrassment and stop there. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rugby.